you are tuned in to the State of Cannabis News Hour, where industry leaders, regulators, and lovers of cannabis gather collectively to move policy forward in an inclusive and sustainable way. Professionals and Canacurious alike can tune in to hear leading cannabis experts share and discuss headlines, critical industry issues, social topics, and more. The State of Cannabis News Hour, your daily dose. Hi, and welcome to the State of Cannabis News Hour, where we bring you all the top stories you need to know and talk about them for four minutes and 20 seconds. We are a group of experts in different cannabis spaces with a wide diversity of perspectives and life experiences. Our news is bite-sized and infused with a nice mix of facts, opinions, and a pinch of humor. It's Wednesday, May 11th, 2022. This is episode number 277. I'm Susan Sores, the founder of the State of Cannabis News Hour, author of the children's book, What's Growing in Grandma's Garden, and Cannabis's Favorite Grandma, a.k.a. Nanogram. <clears throat> Excuse me. If you're listening to the podcast, the show is live every weekday at 9 a.m. Pacific Standard Time on Clubhouse. Spark it up with us and over 30,000 State of Cannabis News Hour members if you want to be an audience participant. We love our audience. Otherwise, please subscribe to support our show. We'd love to hear from you, so please leave us a review. Today, we're talking about how Germany is speeding up the process to legalization, Killer Mike and his thoughts on cannabis laws, a crime wave that may inspire Capitol Hill to pass safe banking, Thailand is giving away one million cannabis plants, Pop-ups are returning to retail stores, an IRS official addresses industry challenges, and many other Frosty Nuggets, so stay tuned for the full 60 minutes of the State of Cannabis News Hour. The following program contains coarse language and nudity. Viewer discretion is advised. Audience, feel free to raise your hands if you want to weigh in on a headline after it's been read to the stage. Keep it brief and relevant. You might get the gong. I'm going to start off the show today with some international news. My article comes from Forbes, and the headline is, Germany speeds up the process to legalize recreational cannabis by Dario Sabagi. So Germany's health minister changed his mind. Hmm. He was opposed to legalization, but revised his position about a year ago. He told the German newspaper Handelsblatt that he now believes that the dangers of non-legalization outweigh the risks of recreational cannabis legalization. So Justice Minister Marco Bushman announced that he's planning a comprehensive technical preparation to legalize cannabis through a consultation process together with the Ministry of Health and other departments. This is brilliant. So this, the process will involve the federal states, municipalities, associations, science, and civil society players. What a concept. So bring all these stakeholders together, listen to them, and then create regulations. That's what they're going to do in Germany. So according to Lauterbach, the technical talks will likely start this summer, and a draft bill is expected to follow in late 2022. 
What we don't know yet is whether there's going to be THC level caps or if home grows are going to be allowed and regulated. Recreational cannabis reform could bring over $5.3 billion in additional annual tax revenue to the country and create around 27,000 legal jobs in the cannabis industry, according to a study by the University of Dusseldorf. Other European countries seem to be far down the path to legalization, and Germany is poised to be first to market, which will be a big win. But don't get used to all that money, Germany. Soon cannabis will be legal all over the world, as our states in the U.S. are finding out. So that's my story. I mean, this just sounds like more of the same of governments saying that they're going to do something and then retracting and stalling out. I'm, you know, I, I used to live in Germany when I was young. I was uh, five to ten years old, and uh, I'm pretty excited about this shit. I'll make my return to Germany uh, pretty soon with the family, and uh, I'll be able to smoke some fucking German weed and get it with my schnitzel and uh, and some spazi or some shit like that. But um, it's Canadian boof, Rico. They don't fucking grow their own weed in Germany. Not yet. Not yet. But I think uh, Germany is going to be gearing up. I got Germany and Prague. They'll probably be gearing up to be uh, European hubs. So long term, I think those are the spots to watch over in Europe. And I'm excited to see the rollout if they speed it up. But, you know, we've heard that a million times before. You sound like a dreamer to me, Rico. I'm surprised you're not over there consulting, Jason. I just I don't think Germany is going to move as fast as what everyone thinks. There's a lot of other European uh, countries that are way farther along in the process. And I anticipate that those countries will ultimately be the producers for Germany. It's too many socialists over there for Jason's liking. Too many socialists in the U.S., Rico. Too many socialists in the world, huh, Jason? Yeah, we should get rid of them all. No. Well, Forbes said that the other countries in Europe were far, far away. How, how come you know more than Forbes, Jason? Why? Because Forbes is all pay for play for all the stories. That's why. I agree with that. There are a lot of people out there who know a lot more than Forbes, Susan. Okay. Starting with one right here, Susan. <clears throat> Steve Forbes ahead, is a capitalist, and capitalist put, capitalism pushes out mainstream, lamestream fake news, right, Jason? Very true, and Steve Forbes is a friend of mine. So if you support capitalism, you're supporting fake news. You heard it here first, Jason Beck. Well done, Jason. Congratulations. Self-owned. Yeah, you yeah. are fake news. Yeah, yeah, you guys enjoy all, all, your, all your answers. <laughs> <laughs> what I love to hear is that the health minister has come around sort of like our own Nora Volkow, in the uh, National Institute of Drug Abuse, right, where she's really coming around to the, seeing the upside and the positives of, of cannabis. I'd just like to hear from that particular breed of person in the government. If you I'd, think like to, I'd like to add, uncharacteristic of me, a, a bit of optimism to this story. Um, I do believe that perhaps the health minister's uh, heart is in the right place and thinks they can pull this off. Um, but I do agree with Jason uh, and Rico. They might be getting a little... Excited too quick. We'll see. I mean, I'm sure they want to do this, but usually, you know, many issues get in the way that people don't foresee when they're trying to actually get a market going. Gretchen, are you saying his heart's in the right place because he has a pulse? It's a start. All right. Sorry, I was uh, in the back channel. 
I guess we'll keep smoking the news. Up next is co-producer Jason Beck. When we say the show has opinions, rest assured that Jason has some. He has proven to be one of the most resilient players in the weed game since starting his first store in San Francisco. Rated by the DEA multiple times and surviving the drama of the past few decades, he is legitimately the longest continuous cannabis retailer in the United States. What have you got today, Jason? Oh, yeah. Thank you so much, Susan. Today, my story, I'm just going to start it off with this for you guys. Pass safe banking. That's right. Because there's a cannabis crime wave boost banking prospects on Capitol Hill. Jordan Brown, a 29-year-old bud tender, was shot and killed on March 19th during his shift at World of Weed in Tacoma, Washington. Joshua Chase, owner of Oklahonan, uh, Oakland, of Oakland, was shot in the foot in the early hours of April 24th. And Brian Garcia, 28, was shot and killed less than two weeks ago in a dispensary in Los Angeles. All three men were shot during confirmed or suspected robberies of cannabis shops. Industry officials and state lawmakers say crime against those businesses have increased in recent years due to the large amount of cash they are often required to keep on hand since federal restrictions discourage banks from doing business with them. Exact numbers are difficult to pin down, but in Washington state alone, officials say there were more than 50 armed robberies of cannabis stores in the first two months of 2022. Maybe that's because your prosecutors don't prosecute crime. A greater number than in all of 2020 and 2021. The time for congressional dithering on, on this issue needs to end because people are dying, Washington State Treasurer Mark Pellicotti said in an interview. Robbers go where the cash is, and that is true. Secure the bag. Now, this wave of robberies and deaths may shift the outlook on Capitol Hill for legislation that would make it easier for cannabis companies to open bank accounts and apply for small business loans. Senator Patty Murray, Democrat from Washington, the third-ranking Senate Democrat, recently stated that cannabis banking is a top priority for her in Nate in negotiations over a China competition bill. The American Bankers Association and all 50 state banking associations cited public safety concerns in a recent letter to Senate leaders urging its inclusion. There is kind of growing momentum and interest, said Senator Jeff Merkley, Democrat from Oregon, a leader sponsor of the bill. The recent, uh, the recent spat of headline-grabbing robberies and deaths have highlighted the negative impacts of the federal in- inaction and spurred in involvement uh, from powerful lawmakers. Meanwhile, the delayed introduction of a federal decriminalization bill in the Senate, which would also fix the problem, has reopened the door for weed and banking. But the bill still faces potential fatal obstacles. Democrats' insistence that, that it includes social equality or criminal justice reform provisions alongside the banking legislation, which is a fucking pipe dream. As the, conference pr- as the conference process begins in earnest, a bipartisan handful of senators are pushing for its inclusion. I'm hoping to see it in the bill, said Senator Steve Daines, re- reti- uh, Republican from Montana, said. We've got the Republican votes to get this passed. Murray and Daines are examples of the Capitol Hill shift on canvas banking, and both were inspired by developments in their home state. Murray, a longtime co-sponsor of the bill, said after, after violence at Washington State cannabis shops increased, that included it in in the in the in the competes act and is now a top priority for her her shift from from supporter to champion is important because of the high rank and influence she has within the senate leadership committee on april 20th the unofficial cannabis holiday 
Murray held a press conference in Washington State to tout the Safe Banking Act. Good job, Senator. We appreciate your actions. And Senator Gaines, meanwhile, was not a co-sponsor of the bill in previous Congress, but is now the lead GOP sponsor. Dane's home state of Montana legalized adult use cannabis in the 2020 election, which Dane's credit with influencing his decision to sponsor the bill. The people of Montana decided they want to have it legal in our state, which is why I support Safe Banking Act, Dane said last year. It's, it's the right to do. It's the right thing to do, he says. Senator Cory Booker, Democrat from New Jersey, for example, signed on to co-sponsor the bill back in 2018. But in late 2021, he said he would lay himself down in the Senate chamber to keep it from passing as part of the National Defense Authorization Act without including some sort of social equity or criminal justice reform provisions. <coughs> Excuse me. If cannabis banking isn't included in the, in, in the conference report for the Competes Act, it isn't the end of the story, though, however. There are other vehicles that are out there, other bills that this could attach to, House Rules Chair Jim McGovern said from Massachusetts. Well, I'll tell you what. Congress needs to just get off their ass, include this in the competes bill and pass that shit. And this is Jason Beck reporting for the state of state of cannabis news hour and pass safe banking, pass safe banking. Aha, uh-huh. a recording caught a lip syncing. Jason, Vanilli. Vanilli, Vanilli. call me whatever you want. If we're going to get past safe banking passed. I think the way I think the new approach that Congress is taking, at least the folks who are a part of the bill, is to really push. And I know, Rico, you don't agree with this, the safety aspects of what this bill can do. Uh, They know that the financial argument um, is not working, uh, that people cannot get behind that. But congressmen can run for cover under saying that they're doing something to help people from getting shot. Uh, So that is how they're going to get this through. Safe banking is for safety. Safety first. Well, how about the how about they start pushing some laws to stop the cops from shooting people? Only well, start there. Start with shit that's already been going on, instead of trying to target like one end of the one end of the problem and fix. Like we say time and time again, you try to dress knife wounds with band aids. The shit doesn't work. I think we should be shouting, treat cannabis businesses just like any other business, or treat cannabis like alcohol. You don't want to treat cannabis like alcohol, but you do want to pass safe banking. Why? You don't. You don't want to. You don't want to treat cannabis like alcohol, but you do want to pass the More Act because it has safe banking in it, right, Jason? Yeah. No one's more a big act, fan the of more the More Act. Not, the More Act's not even realistic. It's the More or Less Act. I mean, let, let, let's let, let's deal with what what's realistic and actually can actually get done in, in a feasible outcome, and that is the only thing that Congress has on its plate that it can actually digest is safe banking. You know, an easy win for all these Republicans that really, really, really want more uh, BIPOC support is to do something for the fucking communities. It always doesn't have to be about just banking. It always doesn't have to be about just money. But that's what they want to put it. Uh, um, that's how they want to propose it. And that's why we have all this divisiveness in our country, because it seems that they don't give a fuck about the communities. How about they do that? And you know what? You'll never see another Democrat in office, but they won't do it. Why is that, Jason? Why is that, Gretchen? If, if you want to see something done, what these people need to get behind is what Susan is suggesting is treat cannabis like any other business. Then you wouldn't have a need for safe banking. You wouldn't have a need for any of this bullshit. Let the market decide who the winners and losers are. Why, why should uh, you know, one group be singled out and given all these provisions that aren't going to last 
that are going to because, get killed in loopholes and all sorts of bullshit down the road. For fucking generations, Gretchen. All because I'd our like communities know, were Rico, fucking destroyed me, because they pumped me. fucking crack Rico, into our Rico, communities. Rico, they please destroyed let me us. They Rico. pinpointed us. Rico, answer me one question. Answer one question. If they give all these sorts of provisions and they give tax breaks and they give, you know, different ways to help out uh, the minority communities, is that a sustainable way for these folks to operate and compete in a real capitalist market? It doesn't have to be sustainable. I'm not arguing that. What I'm saying is... Why don't we want sustainable? So you're just setting them them up to fail? No, give them a fucking head start. Do we get banking right, in our regular communities? Go for the head start, but is the head start going to keep them in they business that, five though. years down the road, or is that going that. to get them sucked up by another if, if big you give, well, no, 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 uh, I, I, I will argue against that. Let's because, try. So, so, so Rico, Rico, because, you're you know arguing what? You, you, give, you, give five, you give five years to black people and brown people to do their thing, and all these big motherfuckers have to wait five years. Guarantee we'll be light years ahead, if not on yes. the same fucking on the same fucking yeah. level. We've never. We, not, not, we not, could have seen. Not the right we could have seen. Not without state banking, not without the right funding, it's not going to happen. It's a fucking pipe dream, Rico. It's not Jason, you just want to keep long as people still consider it a business and stop and not considering the people who have been affected. It so is a business, it's just a business to people. It's, it's, it's a business, a but business. it's a business it's that's streets, run on the back business. of, but it's on the back of our people. So as long as it's on the back of our people, we should have the first word, the first business, all of that. And the states should be helping us because all that's happening now is people are running business and all we're doing is spending our money in other people's business. Stop spending money in them businesses. Give I us don't. money to start our own. Reparations. You know, I think we're you know, the case for reparations. reparations. Uh, we could reparations and then we'll have a, reparations at least be in the playing field in cannabis. Come up with a realistic request that, that actually makes sense. Reparations are not a viable A five-year five five head start. We could have seen if that worked, if the one-acre cap would have been a real thing in Prop 64. Yeah, look what happened. But uh, a five-year head start. Look what happened to that. What? Millions of dollars have been given to uh, to COVID relief at the end I was of, uh, of uh, the end of uh, Trump's what about tenure. The, what How many about the trillion dollars dropped on that out of fucking Ukraine nowhere? Right out of what nowhere. about all of the millions of billions that they've given to an Asian community? The black community has been trying to get anything from this country for the longest. So any other class of people or any other race of people that can just come in and get whatever and we're here and been here and still can't get shit is about some bullshit. Period. Point blank. Preach it, Zsa Zsa. Stephen, up from the audience. I'd just like to say, Susan, my concern uh, for everything, I agree with what you all are saying, but you are the ones who also consistently say, don't put a Band-Aid on the system. That's what you're asking for, is a Band-Aid. Well, a five-year runway. Give them a five-year runway. Give... If you if you believe in social equity or, or the, even the philosophy like I do behind social equity, give those communities that you are admitting to fucking up time and time again, generation after generation, give them a head start. You guys know you want in on the fucking business. Give them a fucking head start to, to actually run the game as they have been running the game and then come in and do your thing. But if, if you're just coming in here wrecking shop and giving people a bunch of fucking false, uh, false hope like you're going to work with them. Don't give us that bullshit. That's the that is the story of America from a black yep. person's perspective. Period. Yep. You ask for a dollar and you get you're, you're you're given maybe ten cents. 
Yeah, and I, it feels to me, with. it feels to me like safe banking is going to close that window forever. Or maybe you're given a few million dollars and you go and buy a bunch of mansions. Are you talking about uh, Black Lives Matter? We're not. We're, why are you why are you moving the goalposts right now? How about you give a couple million dollars to a bunch of uh, quote unquote kingpins that you were DEA targeting and, and, and give them the opportunity to actually build a business. And if they fuck it up in five years, they fuck it up. But you know what? You've never even given us that, that opportunity. So I'm not even what you got to say about that. I'm not even necessarily opposed to that. But at the same time, who, who's going who's gonna to pick who, who's going to do that? Is it going to be these social equity judges or how people are going to qualify for this, Rico? Why don't you get on Capitol and talk about that? Why, why is it always happening? Five-year runway. Start with, oh, yeah, we have to do that. We have to wipe out everybody who's been operating first and insert our programming, which doesn't work for black people, doesn't work for brown people, and continue to oppress them going well, forward. Ultimately, social equity like programs right are never going to work without set banking because all you're going to have is this predatory fucking uh, uh, vultures just coming in and just gobbling up all these social equity licenses. Well, it looks, like, it looks to me this. Equity. Yeah, it looks to me that's safe banking. They're never going to get it passed until you include social equity provisions. So where are we at? It's in the competes Stale act, it. and it's going to pass and pass safe banking. The competes act cannot compete with more or less. It's really more like America can't compete with China. Is why we need the competes act. Let's okay. Let's let Stephen have the last word. Did you want to weigh in on this headline, Stephen? Oh man, you know, I mean, I, I'm 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 on the border of all this. I mean, because I am a cultivator. Um, that one acre cap would have done us fucking wonders. But yet, uh, just I, I note, I am uh, lacking in melanin, and yeah, no, that would have given all, all those a, a great freaking uh, head start in the industry. But yet, we didn't get that. We didn't get it. We didn't get it. The whole medical community didn't get it. And we had been supplying the state of California for how many years? And we didn't get a head start. Black, white, Asian, doesn't matter. The problem is, is that cannabis is not treated like any other business. If you wanted to open a liquor store, you can go open a liquor store. But if you want to open a cannabis Man, I just see everybody falling to the wayside. Anybody who had a right or a uh, 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 um, uh, uh, skin in the game, previous skin in the game, period, is being shoved the fuck out. And I don't care who it is, or what color of skin, or where you come from, really. And that's very unfortunate. And I think it has to do a lot with banking and it has to do a lot with the fact that, yeah, no, Rico, I agree with you. I agree with you 110%. How the hell we're going to accomplish that when we can't even get an acre cap to pass through is beyond me. And I apologize from the bottom of my heart. I apologize. But I, I don't see the solution until cannabis is treated like any other business that's what we need to shout i'd like to work with exclusively you rico i would love to exclusively you let's do some shit steven we've got you know everybody wants to talk about this we've got brian up on the stage and also el flores so we'll uh keep going for another minute or two yes good morning um I was the one that came on many months ago, like in May, about having the WHO 
um, be in charge of doing um, like similar to Peace Corps work where people, growers, farmers are teaching the third world countries how to grow hemp and CBD. But um, the, the, the article that I'm reporting, and I don't know if it's been reported, is that the Multiple Sclerosis Society has said that uh, cannabis has been really helping in uh, the pain and helping just getting people to be aware that MS, which comes can come later in life, that uh, cannabis is being used for experimentations. So we really need to uh, push for more um, um, clinical trials because it just seems like once everything became um, so-called legal and so-called recreation, we've taken away from the clinical trials. And once that adheres to, we can then function and help that other kinds of medication other than Big Pharma would be influencing this, uh, this kind of medical area of MS and, and also other diseases as well. I mean, we all know it heals. It's just being up against Big Pharma is just really hard. So that's what I wanted to share, and thank you for calling on me. Sunra, did you want to weigh in? Uh, just real quick, um, you know, I, I appreciate everybody's comments and everybody being here and talking about such an issue that weighs heavy on somebody, so many people's hearts. I feel that I like to share that this term social equity doesn't work for anybody. Um, I don't even know what the fuck it means. Uh, I've been around since they started the term and I've seen people discuss it and they created it. It, it really is, it doesn't apply. I, I feel personally by being, um, listening to the conversations all of these uh, times and all these years that we should, being the inner core of the industry, work together and create what we need to create to make the answers because we are the ones with the solutions, not outside. We are. We are it. So we just got to do it ourselves and stop talking about it and make it happen. Thank you, Summer. I, I agree wholeheartedly with you on that. We need to stop saying social equity because I said it multiple times here. It was created by a white man in Idaho in 1968. H.G. Fredrickson, and it is a buzzword, marketing buzzword, and nobody can agree on what the fuck it means. Nobody knows exactly what it means, and that's what makes it DOA. You're not going to be able to enforce, you're not going to be able to distribute any of those ideas if nobody can agree on what the fuck it means. But we got to keep it moving here. Much love, everybody. As you guys know, we get heated in here, but it's all about the love. Up next, it's always love. Always, always love. She's a conservative strategist by day, baker by night, and a full-time feisty-headed, feisty red-headed conservative, never backing down from a verbal sparring match with anyone against safe banking. You know who it is, the founder of Panoptic Strategies and our very own Washington insider, Gretchen Mayflower Gailey. What you got today, Gretchen? <laughs> uh, good afternoon, Rico. Uh, my headline is coming from Marijuana Moment, um, and I am speaking on everyone's favorite agency, the IRS. Uh, the headline is IRS official addresses marijuana industry's financial challenges and congressional solutions. Uh, the IRS taxpayer advocate is reminding people of the unique financial challenges that state legal marijuana businesses face under federal prohibition. In a blog post posted on Tuesday, 
the independent agency under the IRS explained that cannabis companies are still obligated to pay federal taxes, uh, but they're barred from deducting most expenses that other industries can claim because the federal government considers marijuana a strictly controlled substance. National tax advocate Aaron Collins didn't call for a specific policy change, uh, but she did acknowledge efforts in Congress to enact legalization or at least protect banks that work with state legal businesses from being penalized by federal regulators. Uh, the purpose of this post, she said, was, quote, uh, to shed some light on the frustrations encountered by a growing segment of the business taxpayer population, the growers, distributors, and retailers of marijuana-related products, and educate them on federal tax law. There are significant federal tax-related consequences for business engaged in the trafficking marijuana, even in states that have legalized or decriminalized the use of it. Uh, Cannabis companies are able to make deductions for the cost of goods, yada, yada. She went into some very uh, uh, specific examples on the higher tax rates that they're facing. Um, and then she went on uh, to cite comments from Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen, uh, saying that regardless of your personal or political views or whether this disparate treatment is fair or not, taxpayers involved in this production, distribution, or sale of marijuana should be aware that there are significant federal income tax challenges that apply to this industry and understand the federal tax consequences. Until Congress changes the law removing marijuana from the definition of a Schedule I controlled substance under the CSA, these businesses are not entitled to claim deductions and expenses like other businesses and need to understand the federal tax consequences in conducting its business. Um, now, while I did not find um, this blog post or this article, you know, that exciting or any type of breaking news, uh, what I did find interesting is that the IRS was putting this out. To me, that says that the IRS is trying to poke Congress. It says to me that the administration is looking for other ways to get Congress to do a damn thing because they're too big of pussies to actually start pushing something themselves. And so they are looking for other agencies to step in and fix the problems. Um, and the IRS is saying, help me out. And I guarantee you the IRS did not put this out without the administration uh, being aware. Uh, so I think folks are trying to figure out how to do cannabis, and they're going to rely heavily on Congress to pull this off because uh, they won't do it themselves. This is Gretchen for State of Cannabis News Hour. Fantastic article. And I think it's important to note that I think it's a big deal that the IRS is, is, is voicing this, this type of sentiment, and they're not even talking about um, – where the gap will be filled as far as from the 280E as to what was going to suffice that, that budget that they're already currently. 25% excise tax. Yeah, that's a Democratic plan, and that was destined to fail and bankrupt the whole entire fucking industry. Anybody who's a fan of uh, safe banking is a huge fan of the IRS. I'm going to relight the room. Light it up. You are tuned in to the State of Cannabis News Hour, your daily dose. The thoughts and opinions expressed in the State of Cannabis News Hour are those of the individual speakers and not those of any other speaker, the State of Cannabis, or its members. The statements made in the State of Cannabis News Hour do not constitute legal or accounting advice, and the State of Cannabis and the speakers make no representation regarding the legal status of any substance in any country, area, or territory, or of any authorities. The views expressed in this room do not establish any fiduciary relationship. The sponsorships of the State of Cannabis News Hour do not imply or constitute any endorsement by the State of Cannabis or the expression of any opinion whatsoever on the part of the State of Cannabis or any speaker. Viewer discretion advised. I love your cadence in that disclaimer, Rico. Let's keep smoking the news. Let's do it. So my story is coming from Dan Rivera, Dan Rivera uh, via Uprox. Killer Mike talks better marijuana laws, shares a smoking ritual, and tells us why he loves Indica. So unless you've been completely out of the grid uh, the last few election cycles, you probably know who Mike, who Killer Mike is. So uh, he is a politically active Atlanta rapper who's 
one half of the Run the Jewel super duo with LP, recent Ozark star, and host of Weed Maps' new docu-series, uh, docu Tumbleweeds, um, and an occasional, occasional Bernie Sanders hype man. Mike's been a longtime advocate of the cannabis of cannabis's medicine and uh, economic opportunity for minority communities and conduit for focus when harnessing his superhuman writing and MC skills. Weed Maps picked him up as the face of their new four-part series, doc, uh, chronicling the unique cannabis industry cultures of Las Vegas, San Fran, uh, New York, and Chicago, where he interviews comedians, advocates, and uh, all the while looking for the glue that ties them all together. Uh, without letting to get today's story dive into an outright advertisement for the show, hit us up, Weed Maps. We've been calling you. <laughs> I thought the piece had some pretty interesting views from the Raptivist that were worthy of highlighting and sharing. Uh, number one, uh, on why he chose Vegas, San Fran, New York, and Chicago, and skipped Los Angeles. Basically, Killer Mike thinks L.A. is overrated. Los Angeles is a hell of a city, but Northern California still has better weed. I just got to be frank about that. Shout out to Satellite OG, Burner and Cookies. Shout out to Lemonade. Shout out to a few other brands that I've smoked great weed from. But those hippies in Northern California sure know what the fuck they're doing. Heard that, Jason Beck? He's a big fan of outdoor, just so you know. Uh, Vegas (laughs) is too restrictive on the culture side, but love the education the pot shop employees were willing to share. Uh, way more than any other city visited. When I was walking back uh, into the casino, I remember one of the doormen. He was a young black guy. He walked into me, walked to me and said, Mike, I'm not tripping on you, but I'm going to tell you sometimes they trip on guys that come in with the cookies bags and whatnot. So next time, uh, just put it in your book bag and nobody will fucking bother you. <laughs> the casinos really don't want you high, so you can't leave your room. Uh, they need to let you out if they're pulling out on that slot machine. New York. Way more conservative than he thought, but it was crazy uh, how he said he was able to buy real weed right outside CBD stores and smoke it right in front of cops. But you can't buy it in the stores as well. Something we've been talking about a lot here on State of Cannabis News Hour. Uh, San Fran. He calls San Fran the true capital of weed. It's not Los Angeles. He said it's just the capital of marijuana in my mind. If you're not talking Amsterdam, you're talking Northern California. When I'm in Amsterdam, Uh, They ask you for Northern California seeds. So shout out to Northern California because they know what the fuck they're doing and they always will. Minorities in weed. He thinks BIPOC communities deserve a considerable share of the industry for helping to popularize it. And whatever municipalities uh, legalize should give ownership to the exact percentage of minority population. This was kind of weird. but I kind of I kind of dig it. Um, I would envision it in the same way politicians who envision bullshit laws and allow six licenses for a whole state would envision it. If Georgians are made up of 35 percent black people, then 35 percent of the licenses should go to black people. And those black people should have to partner, um, should have to partner because you've got the black bourgeoisie being from Atlanta. I'm going to tell you, you got black Republicans, you got black bourgeoisie, black circles that want to keep it there. You should have to partner with someone convicted of a marijuana felony. Now that's radical and that's some American shit because we were started by a a group of motherfuckers who didn't want to pay taxes. All true, all facts. That's my IRS and safe banking tie right there, Gretchen, Susan, and um, uh, Jason. What state is really doing it right now and how can others do it better? Interestingly, he thinks that Illinois did the right thing by going straight to recreational instead of uh, doing a, a decriminalization or descheduling first. 
He said that um, I don't think that they did a hump of the strict medical thing first, and I think that's the way to go. He also likes Colorado and um, how they were putting money back into the school systems and, and improving them. Um, I don't think we have the best version yet, but uh, we do not have the right people at advising. We need people convicted of marijuana convictions at the table with lawmakers making the law. It should not just be the conglomerates and lobbyists and corporations that want to get into medical now. So those are just some of the highlights that I, uh, that I picked out from the article It is rather lengthy, but I do recommend it. If you are a, uh, um, if you are a killer Mike fan, if, if you are a, uh, a politically active or you are a fan of the lifestyle side of the industry, it's, it's really cool to see articulate, uh, smart people from the trap lifestyle coming out and speaking politically like Killer Mike has been doing over the last, I'd say, about almost 10 years now. And I hope more people do speak up. And it's not just about uh, um, coming out here doing rap videos and, and representing the biggest of the big, too. So this is Rico Lameet, Dope Dad on the Street. I'd love to hear what the rest of the team has to say about that, Killer Mike fans or not. Rico. Killer Mike is totally out of fucking touch with all with half of his comments. Half of them, half of them make sense, but another half of them... The Chicago and Illinois comment totally fucking makes zero sense. Totally shows he has zero understanding of the cannabis industry overall. The whole comments about New York about it being more restrictive, same thing. This is total fucking bullshit. He was he was he was being real about the New York shit. I did not agree with him at all, like on the on the Illinois or on the Colorado, Colorado stuff. I mean, but I think on. he I think he was on point with New York. How is he not on point with New it's York? Not. New York is more conservative, and you can't really buy it legally. But you do it through loopholes. It's like Oklahoma there right now. How can you even say that? They have open uh, recreational dispensaries right now. Fuck yeah! Every bodega in New York. Exactly. That's what he said. He said you can't buy it. Technically, you can't buy it legally in the shop, but, but you, you can, can go to a CBD store. You can legally buy it. If you're not getting arrested, you're legally buying it. Jason, do you think this is a pay-to-play situation? Yes. A hundred percent it's pay-to-play. Yes. Everything is pay-to-play. People yeah. need to learn that. Yes, and that's, that's why I didn't break down uh, anything about the show on there. But I think the, the most salient point that he had was he's talking about Northern California. What are your thoughts on that, Jason? He's totally out of touch. I mean, in, in all fairness, he is he is right that San Francisco is the heart of medical cannabis. He's not he's he's not wrong on, on that part. Medical cannabis started in San Francisco and that is the lifeblood of medical cannabis, which spawned all of this adult use cannabis and recreational cannabis and whatever the fucking pronoun you want to put in front of it. I don't I don't agree with him um, and the direct population correlation of, of giving out licenses. I think it's kind of impossible at this point uh, to do that. Uh, you have to do like 23 and me tests with well, everybody. But I do love the way that he is gaslighting the fuck out of Republicans by making comments like that. And I think that Democrats and uh, liberals should do a lot more gaslighting on the other side because it's not done enough. We need that balance. Also, you're advocating for gaslighting, right, Rico? Fuck gaslighting. Stop doing it, people. It Gas- sucks. <laughs> it's Gas- terrible. It's terrible. It's it's no, it's hard enough to communicate with people when you're not doing bullshit stuff like that. We've got to end this gaslighting. Call people out when they're gaslighting. It's the gaslight district, baby. That's no, you got to you got to fight fire with fire, strength. Susan. And you know the, the the best fuel for fire is gas. Light. Buy better gas. So no, 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 no. Rico, do you think that Killer Mike might have political aspirations? Yeah, he's uh, hinted at it uh, several times. Um, I could see him uh, doing something 
on a congressional level, um, excuse me, on a state congressional level. I don't see him like doing anything on national politics, um, but he has a, a, a huge following. And um, I can see him picking up a majority of the Bernie Sanders caucus, the Bernie Sanders uh, support. Is uh, he a him. member? Is he a, the socialist commune people? Is he, shh, is he a member of the uh, National Cannabis Party? Do we know that? Uh, is Nicole Is here? anybody a member yeah, of the National no, Cannabis yeah, Red Party? Redman is probably the only member of the National Cannabis I'm, Party. I'm a member. No, I'm a member. That doesn't I joined. count, Susan. You don't count. <laughs> Nanograms counts. Oh, That's oh, not cool. Harsh. Cold-blooded. Oh, Nicole, Whatever. Nicole. Nicole's coming up. Nicole's Jeez, coming up. Stone Cold Assassin Nicole. Jason back. Nicole, will you color yeah. my hair purple, please? Uh, color it green, Nicole. Color it green. <laughs> it's got a green heart on the side there, Jason. Those are my two favorite colors, purple and green. No, but um, we don't we don't officially have any candidates yet. The, the 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 National Cannabis Party has not put forth any candidates just yet. Oh man, Nicole, you're breaking up. Yay or nay on Killer Mike? Start with the presidential nay. election. Uh, we we right now as um, that pass our scorecard, um, so to speak. I apologize. We started. We lost. We got we you back. You. We got you back at the end there. We, we missed. He is, I said he is May. not officially a part of the National Cannabis Party, but we definitely uh, would support a candidate like um, uh, uh, Killer Mike. He wouldn't, I love be able, he wouldn't be able to support a candidate like Killer Mike because he's not going to run for federal office. He'd be running for state office, so he would be out of your jurisdiction. Same thing with Gary Chambers, right? That's right. Um, and a candidate See, like you Gary can, Chambers, you still support people in other. I states. mean, Jason. Jason no, uh, no, listen, listen. There's certain type of. Jason, are you reading from? Are you reading from their rule book, Jason? like this, you have to adhere to. And with the organization, to my understanding of how it's run and how it's legally framed up, they can only support federal candidates and governors. I'm saying overall. We can support whoever we want. What you're, at, what you're saying, Jason, is who we can nominate. We can nominate. Who, what candidates can we actually nominate under our party is what you're talking about. We can support whoever we want. We can publicly come out and say we support this candidate. Yeah, Jason, seriously, it's so obvious. Come on. I think Jason's still. I think Jason's still triggered. Support only counts with money. Okay, <laughs> just just lending support and voicing support is all total lip service and bullshit. Put your fucking money where your mouth is, and if you can't put your That's money where your mouth is, there's no support. Oh, he I think, I think like Killer. I think triggered. Killer Mike just gaslit and triggered the hell out of he's, Jason. He's, he talks yeah. like that when he's triggered. I think that's I when he gets really agitated. This is what happens. Definitely not triggered. You guys are so so fucking silly. <laughs> so so silly. Fucking fucking fucking. Nah, nah. Fucking fucking fucking. <laughs> Nah, 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 nah. But coming up next. Jason, wait, 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 wait. One one minute. You know, it's not all about money. It's about votes. And the cannabis voting block is real. We show up and we vote on our cannabis issues. And our cannabis, yes, we do. I'm talking, you're you're talking about single issue voters. There is not a lot of them and there's not enough to sway anything. Bullshit. Not Bull, even two percent bullshit. In a, in a polling. Every uh, almost every one of fucking Trump's supporters were single uh, issue fucking voters. Almost all of them were. They're not whether, either, whether, whether, whether it was whether it was more him dog whistling. All that dog whistling. Single said, issue cannabis voters. Single issue cannabis word. voter. You said the T word. Now I'm triggered. 
Just keep smoking the news. Hold on. Gretchen had something important to say. I just think you, that it's it's very sweet that y'all think that, you know, money doesn't matter. That's that's very sweet and naive of you. That's I didn't it, say. It, it, exactly. So country. give us the money. Break it's off not the, the only thing, Gretchen, is what I said. It definitely not. It is the only thing. I reached out to you, and I will not say official names, but to a uh, national lawmaker recently uh, that we all adore and love. And they would not show up for less than 150 grand to exactly I'm like well you ain't gonna exactly. raise that kind of money in cannabis exactly stop trying to pretend that you care about 100%. it or we need to get those kind of fucking politicians out of office How that's about every that? single politician rico and you're not gonna break the system bro it's not reality i'm not going to but a, a group of me's can no no a group of you is not a group of you is gonna get broke over the system he's gaslighting us right now no, I'm just a facts. Gaslight is the is, gaslighting is the proper fuel for burning it all down, Susan. Burn it all down. Up to reality. If you don't got the funds, you don't got no huns. <laughs> okay. Come through with some more of them puns, hun. Oh no. Well, better, all better. Right. Well, coming up next. Is it a bird? Is it a plane? No, it's a delivery van with a delivery smoother than DHL and a price point lower than FedEx. That's right. It's Clark Kent Delivery. Coming next to the stage is Christopher Smith. He's a communication strategist and publisher of the American Cannabis Report. What type of news do you have for us, Clark Kent, a.k.a. Christopher? <laughs> wink, wink. Thanks for the great intro, Jason. Good morning, Susan and Rico. My story today is from MJ Biz Daily. Uh, marijuana pop-ups make a comeback in retail stores after disappearing amid pandemic. So most things are back up and running now. The pandemic has calmed down. And here's one we might not have known we even missed so much. Pop-ups. Uh, pop-up it may be a marketing industry term, sort of inside baseball. So in plain language, a pop-up is when a brand sets up a temporary venue, usually at a dispensary, to promote its products. So let's start with Bertha. Bertha, one of my favorite Grateful Dead songs, and now is a tricked-out Airstream trailer that's spreading the word for California-based Garcia hand-picked cannabis by way of a dispensary tour. She was launched by the family of the late singer-songwriter Jerry Garcia with Holistic Industries. The Airstream is full of cool merchandise, has made it through Oregon and California so far. At a stop at Jushi's Beyond Hello Dispensary in Santa Barbara was so successful that Garcia's Handpicked is still one of the store's top-selling brands. And here are a few more examples. Uh, California-based Lucador, which bills itself as the heavyweight champion of cannabis, holds free Luca Libre wrestling shows at dispensaries to promote its line of gummies and drops. Jushi hosted a Luca Libre event at one of its California stores on 420, and it brought in 2,000 new customers. For one of its own brands, Tasteology, Jushi is offering tarot card readings at its Massachusetts dispensaries. The, cannab- the company branded gummies with a, uh, a tarot card and astrology theme to appeal to Gen Z customers. Why? Because a recent survey shows that nearly 30% of Gen Z regularly read their horoscopes. Uh, Wanna Brands launched a summer, tour, uh, a summer of Quick tour for its new Wanna Quick gummies with van stops at multiple stores each week serving mocktails and a wheel that customers could spin for prizes. And uh, lastly, Denver's, uh, Denver-based Seed and Smith has what could be considered a permanent pop-up, which is that the company offers free 40-minute guided tour of its cannabis cultivation facility. 
that lets visitors see how cannabis is grown, harvested, extracted, and processed and packaged. So why are pop-ups such a big thing in cannabis? Well, first of all, most, as you guys all know, many traditional marketing methods are severely restricted for cannabis companies. Pop-ups offer a great workaround. Um, They are a great way to do something crazy, something on brand, and something memorable to build word-of-mouth buzz about your brand. It's a very personal way to get to know your consumers and get immediate feedback in the marketplace, and a great way to educate both consumers and bud tenders at the same time. And a very cool add-on in the realm of pop-ups is to donate a portion of your pop-up to a community cause or profit. For example, WANA, again, WANA Brands, is partnering with the League of Women Voters to drive voter registration. And last year, they partnered with the Colorado Department of Health to offer free COVID-19 vaccinations. In Ohio... Uh, once a month, Terrasana selects a charity to benefit from its Day of Giving events. So in April, they raised $11,000, for example, for Women Can, two ends, uh, a nonprofit that gives women a voice in the cannabis industry. And in May, the Last Prisoner Project will be the beneficiary. So fun marketing, great buzz, tons of storytelling, marketing content, and community benefit. I'm all in, and I'm done speaking. I want to do a State of Cannabis News Hour pop-up. We need an Airstream studio. Just show up in the middle of the fucking mall. <laughs> to the news in the mall. All you got to do is look for the amazing cloud of smoke that smells probably the best smells you've ever smelled in the world, and you'll find me. Because we technically will be indoor, right? We're smoking booth in the yeah, mall. Yeah, we'll be indoor, and we will only be smoking indoor, too. Only indoor fire-ass weed. Ah, uh, yeah. Let's keep it moving. So this princess of pot is also an attorney at law focusing on cannabis, entertainment, and psychedelics, and does a phenomenal job documenting all of her adventures on social media and through her appropriately titled podcast, Shall We Toke. Coming to the stage next is Shalina Panu. What you got for us today, Shalina? Thanks so much, Rika. Good morning, everyone. My name is Shalina, and my headline for today is Thailand giving away 1 million cannabis plants to push as homegrown crop. According to CNN, Thailand was the first Southeast Asian country to legalize cannabis for medical use and research back in 2018. In February of this year, Thailand's public health minister signed a measure which would remove cannabis from their list of controlled substances. Just a few days ago on May 8th, the health minister announced in a Facebook post his intent for cannabis plants in Thailand to be grown as household crops. As such, starting on June 9th, people will be allowed to grow cannabis plants at home exclusively for medical purposes, but only after notifying local authorities. The plants must also be of medical grade, and the plants may not be used for commercial purposes. The Thailand government is being exceptionally nice here as they will distribute to households 1 million free cannabis plants across all of Thailand in a way to celebrate this new rule. Thailand's agriculture makes up a third of Thailand's labor workforce, which is why they are taking measures as such to promote cannabis cannabis as a cash crop. Also on May 10th, the health minister stated that registered Thai companies could sell cannabis products that contain less than 0.2% of THC. What are your thoughts on Thailand's approach towards cannabis? My name is Shalina and I'm reporting for the State of Cannabis News Hour. This is so confusing to me. So, I mean, I love this story and it's trending, um, but are these hemp plants? It's probably going to be hemp. I mean, dun, dun, dun. it's probably going to be boof. Even 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 if it's not hemp, it's probably going to be boof. They're giving this shit away for free. Come on, I'm trying. That's socialist. That that socialist right that, there. That, that, that is socialism giving stuff away for free. You're 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 right about that. 
in, in that sense when it's the government. But you know what? I'm, I'm really I'm really trying not to be xenophobic here. Um, but I really don't have like that much interest in um, smoking some <laughs> Thailand boof. Right how, about, how about some Thai stick? As, as long as it has opium, it's real Thai stick. Has anyone tried their cannabis out there? I don't. Yeah. See, we don't. We don't have any fucking. I have. Preference. I have. I have. Was it good? Was it good? Susan? I have. I mean, you know, I was in Thailand, and no. Uh, hold, hold on. Hold on. So, so obviously, <laughs> why can't she? Why, why can't she finish her sentence? Exactly. Yeah. Why, why can't Susan? The, why can't Susan, the founder and Susan host of the show, immediately finish Susan her sentence? Immediately that it was good weed. She didn't. She stalled. She procrastinated. She had to think about it, which means it was no. total boof. It was probably worse than the weed that she grows at home. Are Are you two dating? I just don't understand. What's this? This is some serious level right here. That's deep. Oh my god! So my weed is very good, and the Thai weed was good. Uh, the mushrooms were better. Go to the rock bar on Koh Samui. You have to hike down the beach quite a bit, but it's and worth just, it. And just so you know, opium was once known as the gentleman's drug before racism crept in. And um, white people had to take control of that. And uh, they weren't getting their proper cut and prohibition. Reparation sure, for all. You sure it was white people that weren't getting the cut? I'm positive. Because I thought, I thought anyway, they were these getting po- the pure opium. So back to Shalina's story, uh, the plants, uh, the cannabis has to be under 0.3% THC, right? So I don't understand. No, that was different, I think, right? No. That's what people are allowed to grow, isn't that what it says? Or is that what the plants that they're giving out are? The 0.2% is um, for, what does it say here? It says the registered Thai Thai companies could sell cannabis products that contain less than 0.2% of THC. Boof. Exactly. It's hemp. It's, it's bullshit. Hemp. Fucking yeah. It's it's. However, awesome. they, and they did, don't even have indoor hemp. Out they, there. they they did they did leave <laughs> out if they were or they were not going to be lacing it all with opium. I mean, I just think it's stupid that any government is going to try to say try to tell a plant, hey, don't grow stronger than 0.2 percent, guys. Yeah. All right, we have a special uh, special story to to bring us home today, and it's coming from. Dr. Mary Clifton. What you got for us today, Dr. Mary? Well, thank you for uh, having me as a special guest. I wanted to share with you a story that I found on Marijuana Moment uh, about feeding cows hemp, helping them chill out. A federally funded study shows that uh, cows that are given industrial hemp as part of their feed result in them uh, laying down more, relaxing more, and having decreased cortisol levels. So the review of this study, you guys, it's it's, it's sort of a typical, very small initial evaluation of just 15 male, sorry, 16 male castrated Holstein cattle weighing uh, uh, 447, give or take 68 kilograms, 447 kilograms, and they were fed 25 grams mixed with uh, with their grain uh, each day. They measured reduced serum cortisol levels by an 8.8% uh, reduction, and, uh, and they also uh, measured their movements via accelerometers, which are accelerometers, if you're not familiar, are like 
pedometers, the pedometers where it measures step count, but it also member, measures how quickly you're moving so we can see if you're running or walking. And based on the accelerometers and also based on the cortisol levels, the cows are doing better. Now, I know what your response might be. I'm not a cow. Why do I care about this? But if cows are under less stress and they have less cortisol and they have a healthier diet, presumably they're going to have healthier fat, healthier proteins in their in their meat and then that leads to healthier you know safer food for you so thank you for having me again as a uh, as a guest and i'm looking forward to everybody's comments about healthy happy cows doja cat was once a cow <laughs> i love this story because um you know the the study um when I was working um, in Colombia with a pharmaceutical company, one of the uh, products they wanted to develop um, was uh, uh, cannabinoid-based uh, ther- therapy for a bovine uh, because cows and horses suffer from BVD, which is like a diarrhea, and it, 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 it really affects um, the cattle and, and bovine and horse industry. So they were looking to apply um and use cannabinoids specifically for that, and they were doing, you know, their own internal trials, and it was really successful uh, for bovine and cattle and horse. So this yeah, is great. It's very helpful to the quality of the meat and to the uh, and to the, uh, of course, to the life of the animal, but also to the quality of meat that's ingested by the end consumer. You guys might remember the. Uh, a famous uh, woman who suffered with autism, Temple Grandin, who worked on circular uh, uh, sort of feeds for the cows to go in for slaughter because when they were going in in a straight line, they seemed to have much more anxiety. And putting them in a circle helped them to reduce the cortisol levels in the meat at the end of the slaughter. So uh, so this may have uh, some value adding hemp to feed and maybe a great use for hemp. I saw that movie, Mary. This this was like a, a deaf girl, right? That that came up with this whole this whole thing. Well, she she suffered with autism, but she, uh, yeah, really, it's interesting that she's always she's very focused on animals and their and their slaughter and the amount of stress the slaughter causes. But she's never stopped eating animals. You know, she still perceives meat as being required in a healthy diet. Yeah, I, I saw this whole movie about her. It was it was quite fascinating. Um, I think her name was Billy something, wasn't it? It's Temple, Temple Grandin. Temple, there we go, yes. I yeah. encourage anyone, check that movie out, check it out. Temple Priscilla, yeah. Priscilla, real quickly, we're at the end of the show, but Priscilla, did that, did, did that help the, the smell? of? You said they got, the cows were getting diarrhea. Did, did it help the smell? It helped, it it's like their, it was their version um, of uh, irritable bowel syndrome, you know? Right, so, right, yeah. Uh, it actually really helps uh, the cows and, and all, all bovine and, and equine. Um, Wouldn't that be great if it could help odor control? Because that smells bad. Talk about a nuisance. Anyway, we've reached the top of the hour. That was a really great show. If you missed any of it, make sure to catch the replay or find us a few hours after the show anywhere you get your podcasts. And if you like the content, please subscribe and leave us a review. A big thank you to all of the correspondents that come through all the headlines each day to bring us just what we need to know. A big thank you to Rico and Jason for co-producing the show and our pinup girl, Zsa Simone Brown, and our special guest, Dr. Mary Clifton. Thank you, audience, for being 
in our eyes and ears. When there's news in your city, county, state, or country, you take us deeper into the story, you add color, and sometimes provide amazing sound bites. We'll see you tomorrow. You've been tuned in to the State of Cannabis News Hour, where we collectively move policy forward in an inclusive and sustainable way. Start your morning on a high note and join us every weekday, 9 a.m. Pacific time for the State of Cannabis News Hour, your daily dose. Bye. <laughs> Thank you. Speak gives me IBS.